Hello, it is episode four. I'm so excited for you all to hear the second half of this conversation that I had with Marielle. I'm Joy Dertinger, and this is 99 Lead Balloons. Season two, episode four, making change in PWIs, part two. I remember college credit card companies were leeches. Yes. So you, and, and for many of them, they were like, okay, this is a great way for me to pay for school. Mm. For me to pay for my expenses. And they come out not only just with student loan debt, but credit card debt. Yeah. What? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I think we have to have a really big overhaul in, readjusting how we are allowing our citizens to have access to to be able to further themselves to be able to be better um you know um I'm really 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 praying and hoping that that gets tackled (laughs) really soon yes absolutely I I have the same hope I mean I I know there are a lot of people who who say things like well just work your way through college and I would just like to say one thing about that which is that I worked my way through college I paid my I worked and I paid my way through college and I was the sickest I've ever been I was so sick all the time and the other thing that I need to point out is that this was not a typical four-year institution this was a college where all of my tuition was waived because it was a Christian mm. Bible college. It was a private Bible college, and I did not pay tuition. I paid for my dorm room, and I paid for my meal plan, and I paid for service fees. That is it. And that alone had me working between 30 and 40 hours a week on top of my class schedule just so I could yeah. sleep and eat and go to work and go to class and get sick and just be sick all the time. And I know that that's what other people experience and worse. I know people experience worse. I know people go hungry because they're trying to work their way through college and they don't have the means. Um, And add on to that other more marginalized identities than I hold because I do hold a lot of privilege and I was able to get decently paying jobs because I wasn't discriminated against. And so that alone, I mean, I, I don't know college was it there were some dark times because there's only like there's only so many days that you can not sleep and there's only so many days that you cannot eat yeah oh my gosh like I'm having my heart is like gripping right now because a lot of the students that we deal with where I currently am that's their story. So we are a huge university. We have about all together, we have different campuses mm-hmm. and there's one big campus. I work at the big campus, mm-hmm. but we're probably about 50,000. I think about 50,000 students. I think that's where we're at. Uh-huh. Um, and the students that I deal with, um, a lot of them are working three jobs. Yep. Um, they are taking a full load, course load. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them like you said, they're hungry. So we have we have a um, a pantry on campus that's completely free. They can come get food, oh, I whatever love that. they. Um, I get frustrated with. I have to kind of remind my colleagues sometimes that you know we take it for granted that we are able to just go to Macy's or go to J.C. or whatever store you shop at to get a suit for an interview. Students don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> and they, because some of my colleagues can be a little harsh when like a student shows up. So sometimes we'll host on-campus interviews mm-hmm. um, for the employer to come to campus and interview students, right? And they'll get frustrated with the student. Like um, I think I had one student one time showed up and he had on jeans and his shirt was wrinkled. He had tucked it in. He had mm-hmm. found a tie. And so, you know, I saw somebody say, you know, coming at him, it was a young black man and they were like, why are you dressed like that? And I said, hold mm. on, 
this is where the advocacy part comes in yeah. because the person did not look like us. Yeah. <laughs> they were not black. So <laughs> I had to say, hold on. Mm-hmm. So I pulled him off to the side and I said, hey, are you okay? Is everything all right? And he was like, this is all I had. I just, mm-hmm. I just really wanted to come to the interview. Mm-hmm. Not realizing my colleague was just upset because he didn't look professional. Mm-hmm. Not realizing he did not have resources <laughs> right. to have that. But this interview could help get him the resources that he needed. Yes. So, yes, you know what I'm saying? So for me, it was, okay, let's get you fixed up. So I, I think one of my um, coworkers always kept a suit jacket in his office and I put that on him and That's I was like, all right, go in there. Yeah. Um, I had students, um, there is one particular young lady. She was a single mom. She had two kids um, and she had landed an interview with one, one of the big four accounting firms, right? So huge. Mm. Um, for their internship program. And so the day before the interview, she calls me and she goes, um, Miss Marielle, I, I'm going to have to back out the interview. I, I can't do it. I, and I said, well, can I say, are you sure? I said, I can let the employer know. And she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But I could hear like this weightiness in her voice that there's something there going on. Yeah. Um, we disconnected the call, but I could not get her out of my mind. So I called her back and I said, hey, I said, I'm not trying to get in your business. I'm not trying to be personal. I said, but can I ask you a question? I said, is the reason that you're not coming to the interview, is it because you don't have anyone to watch your children? And Mm -hmm. she said, yes. I said, you feel comfortable. I said, "Um, I need you to come to the interview, bring your kids with you. I said, while you're in your interview, I will watch them. I was like, so just, because I I understood how critical that interview could be for a better quality of life for her, for her kids, all of that. I was if you can get here, if you can bring the kids, I will watch them. And that's exactly what I did. She, yeah. and she killed it. She killed the interview. Um, you know, and I got to play with two really cute, adorable kids. Yes. So that was <laughs> my day. So that's awesome. <laughs> more benefit to me. Um, you know, and so that's the part is, I think that's missing. It's like that empathy. Yeah. Like we, it's such a privilege that comes along with, well, why don't, why aren't you dressed this way? I'm like, well, why are you, why are you late? Mm. It's like, well, maybe they're running, coming from work, you yes. know? Um, yep. And so I get really irritated. Um, and especially in this climate with some of our faculty members. And when I say our, I just mean globally, like in yes. education period. Yeah. Um, you know, not being sensitive enough to the needs of students. So it makes my heart sore when I see professors tell their students, hey, bring your baby to class and seeing the professor holding the baby oh. while they're teaching. Like, because I'm I'm like, that's what's needed. I feel yeah. like we we miss the humanity piece of it. Yeah. Like, you don't know what these students are dealing with, the things they're dealing with. And I've had to challenge employers mm-hmm. to you keep telling me you want a student that has a 3-5 and I'm telling you this student with a 2-5 is amazing because mm-hmm. they have managed to stay in school, work three jobs. They have some of the greatest work ethic I have ever seen. Yeah. And so it's a out shifting what we think is successful too, because we think it needs to be 4.0 and it needs to look this way. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Mm. I would rather take a hard worker who fought through, like they had to fight through traffic every day. Yeah. They had to they work three jobs every single day. Yeah. They're taking 15 credit hours. Like they are knocking, they are killing it. Mm. That's the person I want on my squad. Mm. I don't get flying crap if you do not have a three five. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's 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 the type of person I would want to work for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just feel like we miss that that humanity piece in education a lot of times. And I see it a lot in higher ed. Mm-hmm. There is privilege that comes from some staff members, some faculty members towards students. Um, these students are dealing with depression. I can't even tell you the amount of students that I've had to talk literally almost like down because yeah. they were just like, I can't do this. It's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I just, and you know, the pressure um, that comes along with it. So yeah. I think we just need to chill the hell out and just be humans. Yes. Like, <laughs> human to human. <laughs> like yep. seriously. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, yeah. that would be great. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and it's, you know, what you're describing about um, a student coming to an interview with like a wrinkled shirt or wearing jeans or something like that. I mean, I, I know people who didn't get the job <laughs> because they weren't dressed in a way that that, you know, like store or, or 
company or organization would prefer that they be represented as. But what they don't understand is, like you said, people don't have the means to get those clothes, to wear them for an interview. Like you can't, I, we, you can't afford it. And it's like student college students don't have a lot of money. And I don't know how that hasn't sunk in for most people yet, but, um, it's hard to buy like nice clothes for an interview. I mean, we would all just kind of like patchwork together stuff from other people that we could find who are maybe close to our size, but it didn't always work out. Um, and yeah, I got fired for, from a job because I didn't have the clothes that they wanted me to wear. And I said, give me another couple of months. I have to pay my school bills and then I can buy clothes from you, from this retail store that you want me to dress a particular way. You can even pick out my clothes. I don't care. Give me a couple more months to save, pay my school bills and, and I'll, you know, and I'll start dressing the way you want. Um, and uh, and they said, no, we no, no, we can't do that because like we need customers. And so you have to go. And I was like, oh, but and that was yeah. it. That was my last day, like just on the oh spot. And I know that that happens to so many people, especially yeah. in college. And it's such a major issue. And um, I love that. Like, obviously, you are cognizant of that and you're you are um, making inroads with your community with your school so that people hopefully are becoming more and more aware of that and and if they're not you're advocating for students and you're standing up for them and giving them the strength and the language to stand up for themselves as well um that being said uh has have you seen a shift in the way that um, that faculty, that professors approach students. I know, like you mentioned, uh, like professors saying, bring your baby to class and things like that. And, you know, what you have done for your students watching children, is that becoming more common or is it, Have do you think it's stagnated? What is your viewpoint on that? I think that it is stagnated. So you have some sections where faculty are um, very kind, very engaging, very understanding, um, who are just great, right? Yeah. And but then there's that fabric of just, for lack of better words, they're just assholes. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, no, there's, no, there's no other word I can give them. Yeah, they are. They don't care what you're going through. Yeah. They don't care. They think it's a sob story. They don't care about you. Did you turn your paper in? Okay, great. They yeah. give no grace. They give no. Um, and some of them have pleasure in doing that, yeah. which makes an even bigger asshole. Let's just be honest on that one. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, so I've seen both. I've worked with both. Um, I will say the professors that have empathy and genuinely care about their students. Can I just say this? I get, I fuss all the time about any role, whether you're staff or faculty, that's student facing and you being a jerk. We're not going to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> we can't do that. Yeah. If you're not in that space because you love and care about students, get out of it, yeah. period. Yeah. Because we have to be oftentimes advocates for them. And so and your job is to make sure that they um, get the best experience, get the best interactions, get the best, like that's, that's what we're there for. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I see faculty members who are kind, are empathetic, when I tell you students love them, number one, but number two, students do so much better in their classes mm -hmm. and they retain so much. They, they are excited to go to class. Mm -hmm. I have, Students have come to our um, office talking about amazing professors that I don't even, I have never seen their faces, but I know their names because mm -hmm. they treat them so well. Yeah. Um, so I just think that that's important. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's, they both exist, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and what makes it tough is when the people are jerks and they're tenured, there's almost nothing you can do mm. as faculty members. Like there's literally almost nothing it doesn't matter if they unless they kill somebody then of course they get fired but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. so it's people can complain but it's like they're you will get the the response back well they're tenured so mm -hmm. 
you could change that part too. Like <laughs> because you're a senior does not mean you get to be a jerk. It does not mean that you get to torture students because some of them get off on that. You yeah. know what I mean? So um, yeah, but I feel like they kind of coexist. So yeah. some are great. Some are still jerks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, I, I think that reflects uh, that reflects my experience, which was admittedly a long time ago. But I mean, it tracks with what I've experienced with what people that I know are experiencing. Uh, one of my yeah. siblings just graduated from undergrad and is um, working on grad school and was I they're they're a music major. They are uh, in violin performance. And they have had some really wonderful interviews and um, auditions. And they have had some really shitty ones. Um, and what's wild is that the, the great auditions, the wonderful interviews, have all kind of lined up, from, from what they've told me, they've all kind of lined up with uh, grad schools that have waived the enormous application fee they they waived it they said we we just want you to be able to apply um my sibling had to you know write a couple paragraphs saying this is why i want this interview and, and whatever and they just waived it this is why i need um help with this this fee and they just said yeah it's fine waived it um and then the schools where you know the fees still had to be paid and they're big fees i don't know if it's like that for all grad schools but they're big like listen and if you're applying to more than one oh my god bless your heart i know <laughs> <laughs> i think it was like seven seven or eight schools and i i couldn't even imagine i don't know how they paid for that honestly i know that they wrote a lot of letters and got a lot of fees waived um but yeah, the the schools where they had a good experience, where they had you know great, kind, compassionate um, professors doing their interview, they were the schools that waived the application fees, and the schools that were like, no, just pay it. Those uh, those were cold, like distant, this weird disconnect, like a lack of humanity in just yeah. that interview and it and it turned my sibling off they were like I don't really want to go to that school anymore because if that's how it is in the interview I'm not I don't care how good the school is they won't care about me and I don't want to go there exactly um exactly yeah. yeah I think that's that's critical and I will say I know for me personally the times that I have learned the best have been when professors um and you know the staff in in the colleges that I was in were just kind and gracious. Like I felt cared for, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's different. I'm always amazed when students come to you know, our office and they're like, we just, I just love, they just come hang out. They just, they'll come in there and study. They just like, I just like oh, being around y'all. That's that. such a compliment. Yes. <laughs> because yes. it means that we fostered an environment that says we love you. You're welcome. What can we do to help you? Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? And so how that affects the brain to be open and receptive enough to learn the information as opposed to being under stress because mm -hmm. this person is a jerk and mm -hmm. they're not having any, any leniency. I was, I think I was on Twitter and somebody had posted as a professor that um, um, one of his students, um, their sister, either a sister or mother, I can't remember which one, had just passed away from COVID, one of his mm -hmm. students. And the student was came and apologized for missing class and was like, I'm so sorry. And he was like, first of all, why are you even apologizing? Let's, let me start. How are you? Are you okay? Yeah. Like, don't be concerned that you missed this assignment. You can always make that up. Like, yeah. I just, I'm concerned about you because you just had to deal with a heavy loss in the midst of isolation. You mm -hmm. couldn't go say goodbye. Right. You had yeah. to limit how the funeral plans were, you know what I'm saying? And so imagine I can't even begin to imagine how that student now feels safe in that space with that professor. Mm. Um, it's probably so open now and being able to know they can be human, know that things can go wrong and that this person will understand. But then more importantly, that they can receive what that person is saying, because it's hard to receive mm. from a person that is just 
horrible. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so hard. You so you have yes. to do it because you're in college and you're stuck in the class. But um, but I've known some students they've dropped the class. Like yes. they're like, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I just I hope that we can, like I said, just become more human and yeah. and just empathetic. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and there's so much to to what you're describing that like we know that it's true. Like there are whole studies, clinical studies that have like research that has been on, been done on this and I work with the opposite end of the spectrum. I work with families who have children aged prenatally up to 3 years old in like preparing them for school and education is a big focus in the sense of parents connecting with their children and helping them to feel safe and then when we help them transition their children into preschool and get them screened and enrolled and one of the biggest things you know that we tell them to look for is children who are playing because children don't play if they don't feel safe and we can't learn if we don't Mm. feel safe it's just our basic brain chemistry we can't Exactly. You can't take in information if you're in fight or flight, and it doesn't take very much to put us in that space. No. And then think about coupled on top of everything else you probably have going on outside of that. You know, um, I think I was at a, a conference one time, and they were talking about when you come to work, what you should do. They were like, when you come to work, you need to leave all your personal life on the outside. And I was like, no, the hell you don't. You need to bring yourself. <laughs> yes. And Cause I'll be honest, like as a staff member, um, I was getting my master's degree, working full time, <laughs> like paying Ooh. for grads out of pocket, Man. doing all that stuff. And I remember one day I was in my boss's office and she's great. So, um, you know, um, although I have a team, it's like for black women. Mm. Um, so that's like, that's kind of unusual typically in our space because career services can typically be pretty, um, it's, it's mostly, um, white and male. If yeah. I'm being honest, the conferences that I've gone to, that's pretty much what you see. So mm. the fact that it's for black women, it's pretty kick-ass to me. Yes. <laughs> um, I remember I was just having a really hard time. I was, you know, battling depression. I was, like I said, paying for school out of pocket, coming to work full time, all of this stuff. And she was telling me something. We were in a meeting, me, me and her in her office. Mm-hmm. And she's talking. All of a sudden, I break down. Mm. I just start. And she stops what she's doing, gets up, comes from behind her desk, and she just grabs me. And oh. she was like, it's okay. That moment for me sealed me to her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because she did not care about the work in that moment. She didn't care about anything else. She was like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, you are, you're not okay. And you're having a moment. She, and she let me have my moment. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what's the matter? And I was like, I'm just tired. I just, and, and I'm just letting everything out. Right yeah. In that and so she could have handled that a totally different way, but I'm so grateful that she led with her humanity and was mm-hmm. like, no, and hugs me and even cried with me because she started crying. She's so sensitive, but oh. she started crying. So just to be able to be free in that moment. And so mm-hmm. if I feel like that, I can only imagine like how students feel mm-hmm. when they feel loved and when they feel accepted and it's safe and that, you know, you can come talk to me, you know. Um, and I try to have that type of open door policy. Like it doesn't matter what it is. And if it's above me, so let's say it's a mental health issue, let's say. Um, I want you to be able to trust me enough to know I would never put you in harm's way and I'm going to put you in the hands of a person that's going to take good care of you. Yes. Um, and so that you have the resources that you need. And yes. so, oh, I, that, what you're saying as far as like watching if kids are playing, mm-hmm. kids are happy, we're always, they're always indicators, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, I see it in college students all the time. I can tell if, they are in a beautiful place if they're not mm. they, like because there are certain indicators that you just kind of watch for because I've been doing this long enough um you know it's it is you're bearing a lot mm. so so in the philosophical sense of are they playing when I'm looking yes. at college students, where are you and so they could tell me I'm okay and I'm like mm. I look for signs I'm like I don't think you're okay mm-hmm. you know so, yeah, I think that's just so critical. So that's yeah. so important what you're saying. So yeah. important. Yeah. I would love to see some uh, 
I know I know it may not happen, but I would really love to see some like federally mandated trauma informed approach that's just like it's required if you're in education you have to be trained in trauma responses in to some level you have to have a trauma-informed approach to education period um and and on top of that not just the trauma but people that also have disabilities because i encountered that um i had a student he was lonely he was stressed out um and he had a condition where when he was really stressed out he would start to tick and he started making noises well to other people like what's happening and for me it's he clearly is in some form of distress yeah I didn't know what and so the only thing I could do is try to talk to him and so we were I was able to kind of talk to him kind of get him to calm down Mm -hmm. we were able to give him some resources so I think like you're saying it's just kind of be patient and and Mm -hmm. and because I've had my own mental health challenges so like I said I've dealt with depression I have anxiety so I think it has made me a lot more sensitive mm-hmm. to seeing that um, in students and being able to just kind of speak to it yes. and so that they don't feel like they're by themselves. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it really does like you, it, it goes back to what you were saying before too about um, people who, you know, are invested in by their their country, they're able to go to school. It's the same for if they're able to go to college um, and have a safe experience, a safe and compassionate experience, because we know that people who enjoy their work or at least feel safe in their work um, are more productive. You, they, you just are. Um, if you don't have to worry about somebody chewing you out once a week, you're going to do your job better, period. You just are. Um, and what we're doing is we're conditioning college students, I think anyway, we're conditioning college students to expect the worst from people in positions of authority over them. And then they get jobs, they graduate college, and they go to work, and they're so afraid of their bosses. I mean... I, everyone that I know has has had the same experience and I've had the experience of getting a job um, and it's finally like maybe it's finally in the field that you really want to be in. Right. And you're so afraid that you're just going to get fired for some unknown thing that you did wrong that you didn't even know. But you're so afraid that you're going to get demoted or you're going to get fired or something wrong is going to happen every time the boss emails you you pour over every line she didn't add a smiley face or she didn't have three (laughs) exclamation points or whatever it is and you're so afraid because that's what you've been conditioned into believing is normal to expect from you know quote-unquote superiors um in college and it cripples people you know, for careers, for the rest of their lives to expect abuse. It's trauma. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> like it's literally, yeah. it's trauma. Yeah. And, and, um, sometimes I posted this today on Twitter. I was like, sometimes the you that you think that you are is not really you. It's the you that your trauma has taught you to be. I saw that and I was like, oh yes, this is such a moment. <laughs> and so, it's that's literally what happens like you so unfortunately some people probably have ptsd because it's just like oh my god no 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 (laughs) i remember the university that i used to work at it was was hard as hell like i'm not gonna say a lot of you like if you could graduate you were gonna be just fine um (laughs) but my alum when they would come back they would be like mariel oh my god like i keep having they were having ptsd from school yes because they would wake up in sweats thinking that they missed some assignment and they graduate. Yes. Like they missed some assignment or, you know, and when I would ask them, I was like, well, how is work? They was like, work is awesome because this, this was so hard that we feel like we are almost robbing people of the salary that they're giving us because we feel like we're not doing anything because school was 50 times harder mm. than the job. Doing. So mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes the environments we have because we, we have such a, <laughs> We need everybody to be excellent, excellent, excellent. And we don't lower the bar at all. So you got to meet this standard. You have to do this. You mm-hmm. have to go here, whatever. Yeah. It causes trauma to that individual. Mm-hmm. 
And like you're saying, now when they go into the world, they carry that with them. That just doesn't go away. Like right. carry that with them, yeah. you know? So it affects everything else. It affects yeah. how they perform at work. It affects, like you're saying, with positions of authority, like, oh my gosh, they don't like me in the person. And honestly, sometimes you may not even be treated necessarily bad on your job. It's yeah. just that you just have this expectation that, oh my gosh, what if they don't, they don't like me? Yeah. They, you know, because of what you've experienced. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, some of, some of these environments can be pretty traumatic, especially when it's hard to get in and the rigor of the work mm-hmm. is really hard yeah. and it traumatizes them. And I've literally watched it. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely wild. Well, and that, I mean, I think that that brings kind of full circle to this um, reality that not everybody has the same access. Um, there can be financial barriers. There can be, um, you know, racial barriers. Uh, there can be barriers to due to disability, which there's not like, no, obviously none of those things are quote unquote supposed to happen, but they still do. I mean, it's still a reality. And so uh, moving forward, when we consider like our identities do shape the way that we participate, whether it's in education and relationships um, in work and in the world, all of those things are impacted by the identities that we hold, obviously. And then in turn, those things impact, you know, us, that our experiences then impact and sometimes can strengthen, you know, a viewpoint that we hold that sometimes can challenge um, a viewpoint that we hold that previously we, you know, believed because of our identity. Um and now, like like for me, there were a lot of viewpoints that I just had. I just like because it like uh, what you said earlier. It's just what you what we knew, um, and so then having different experiences um, because I had access changed, you know, my my perspective and challenged me to examine my viewpoint. Um, and I know that that is, that is different for everyone. It depends on who you are and the identities that you hold um, and the experiences that you have. But when it comes to education, we, have, we do have to find some approach to educating and interacting with education so that we're coming at it from a perspective that doesn't punish s- people, uh, students of whatever age, for their race, for their, um, you know, nation of origin, for their gender, uh, sexual identity, disabilities, you know, anything. Um, and and yet that seems to be where we keep hitting a wall. It seems to be the place where education just keeps stopping. So when we consider how to deal with that, right? Like, obviously, it is crucial. Um, in your work, you're seeing a lot of, of that, how, just how important it is. Um, what is your perspective on reaching that decolonized, anti-racist approach that is inclusive and intersectional? One word diversity yes (laughs) i'm telling you that is what is missing yeah it's like if i walk in a space and i have Mm -hmm. where it's been all white men yeah there's no way in hell (laughs) that (laughs) you can possibly help create a space that fosters where people like you're saying who are q plus who are of color who are um, disabled, you like you, you're not going to be able to create a space that makes them fit in if we're just going to do everything the way you want it done. Like yes. that doesn't make any sense. Diversity yeah. is so critical, and I have to shout this from the mountaintops. Diversity is intentional. Mm. Like it's going to magically happen. It's just not going to. Oh, okay. No, you have to be very intentional about saying we want every perspective represented here. So we need to make sure that our campus, that this classroom, 
what this college, this university, whatever, is going to be a, a place for all people. Like I, I look at right now, even students who have learning disabilities, mm-hmm. college has to rethink how it is teaching because everything is lecture for the most part. Yes. Well, we don't learn in that way. So I'm already I'm already at a disadvantage now because and I'm telling you that maybe I'm dyslexic or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I have a math learning disability, which I actually do have. Yeah. So I learn math differently. Yeah. But if you're not hearing me or if there's not space for that to be made for me to be educated in the way that I need to be educated for my success. Yeah. What are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like diversity is really important. And like you were saying earlier, for people to have, if you don't have a disability, if you are not Q+, if you are not a person of color, for you to educate yourself and surround yourself with people who are, because they will always keep you honest. Mm-hmm. And then say, hey, I don't know if you thought about this, but you may want to, this really is not inclusive at all. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, it's not, It's this doesn't work. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, diversity. I really think that that is going to be the key. And the the big piece of that is diversity in college administration. I was just going to ask. I was like, so many people think that it means diversity in enrollment, and that's not it. No, because can I be honest? I think a lot of schools are doing better as far as enrollment is concerned when it comes to diversity. Mm-hmm. Where they shitty is in that um, the administration level. Yeah. Um, I look at it where some of the universities that I look at have never had a female president. What the hell? Mm. It's been around for you. It's like, what? Or a provost has always been a white male. Yeah. Or the, the president's cabinet for the university is everybody look the same. It's, it's, Mm. there's no, it's like, so how does that work if you have diverse students, yeah. but the administration should look that. And it, I know we're not talking about church, but I fuss at people about that all the time at church yes. too. It's, tell me that this is a place for everybody. And then when I look at your staff, everybody's not represented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yes. So that I promise you, it goes such a long way. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I have been able to learn so much. Like I, um, in my previous role, I was able to hire um, student workers. By the time I left, I had 30 because I was doing the job of three people. So I needed at least 30 student assistants. True story. Um, And the thing that I love is the diversity that I had on my student staff. They taught me so much. I learned so much about their culture. Um, um, I learned so much about just them as people and just being able to just kind of sit back and be like, wow, I never even thought about that because I don't have to deal with that. And I'm like, now I'm like, you know what? I need to be a little bit more cognizant of that. And I was having a conversation with somebody today about that. Um, Because what I've noticed is in certain certain colleges, Q plus individuals are not represented well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they are, um, they feel lost because they want to be in this world, yeah. but like, I can't really talk to anybody about this and I can't, I don't know anybody else who may be dealing with, cause we have to, we still feel like we got to be quiet about it. And I'm yeah. like, absolutely not. Mm. So diversity is, it's so intentional and I'm really hoping that universities get that. It's, yeah. it, it's not just going to magically happen. And if you want students to thrive, you need to have people at the higher administration level that represents the different the demographics of your campus. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, I don't even I don't even give any breathing room for that. Like yeah. period in a discussion. Yes, I'm not enough for that. Yes. <laughs> so diversity is just critical. That's yes. going to be the key to turning it around. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and it's uh, it's something that we're discussing a lot at my workplace too. And obviously, it's, it's not a school, but we serve, I, I mean, our staff does not look like the communities that we serve. And and that is a problem. That's an issue. And um, there are many, many, um, so we have an infant mental health specialist that, you know, we consult with. Um, and there are many, many times when we say, like, 
I do not understand um, what I just experienced. Can you help me with that? And that's not helpful to the family that we're working with. They, they shouldn't have somebody who is their parent educator who, who doesn't understand what just happened. I totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) So I, 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 um, I know how I felt like when I could see like this beautiful, diverse group, right? It, it just, it, for me, it helps. Cause I know I'm, they're going to help me with my blind spots. They're, they're going to hear me because my experiences are different from yours, Mm -hmm. but together how dope we could make something (laughs) yes all have these different experiences so i really want to see that because it just like i said i've been in this for a while and it's the same story every time i look to see even not just on a big university level like the colleges that are on a campus and the leadership within those colleges it's the exact same thing the Mm -hmm. senior leadership everybody looks the same yeah Nobody thinks that, oh, well, maybe we should, you know, um, this last summer when Black Lives Matter and we saw these protests all across, you know, the country and people were posting black squares and Mm. companies saying Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, I don't give a damn about you saying Black Lives Matter if you're not hiring them. Right. And not just hiring them for D&I work. So diversity and inclusion. (laughs) Like they need to be your level management yeah. so yeah diversity is it i'm telling you yeah key. yeah absolutely yeah well and it, like it i i know i'm harping on this but and it's it's but it's what you said you don't know what you don't know if you have never had that experience if you have never had to think about it you're not gonna think about it and you're not gonna be able to do anything to benefit anybody else who is dealing with it and it's it's not a slight. It's not like it's not pie. More for somebody else doesn't mean less for you. It's just an it's just that you aren't going to they're they're not going to be able to think about it. The same way that I'm not going to be able to think about um ab- about experiences that people who are different from me have that I can't because unless I'm uh, the only way I can think about that is if I am listening if I am challenging myself if I'm going out of my comfort zone and like you said surrounding myself with other people but again it goes right back to that diversity it if it's just me and other people who like who look like me who are like me there's no diversity there it's nothing's going to change um yeah yeah. and you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah because we are comfortable because we know our experience we know what that's like yeah but you're gonna comfortable with being uncomfortable especially it goes back to what we were talking about before when you may have had an upbringing of thinking about particular groups of people a certain way and you got to learn that and so they represent for you you know that thing that you're being challenged with and their experience is challenging you and for a lot of people take you know I'm always amazed when people take being uncomfortable really as an attack it is like yeah. no you're just uncomfortable because they're challenging what you consider to be normal mm-hmm. and what you consider to be right mm-hmm. and they're like no that this no this is how I experience the world this has been my lived experiences and I think if we respect people's lived experiences we're going to be a lot better for it right and not just it, but accept it and like listen yes yeah just listen yeah like, that's it yes well, and it's wild how little it takes for us to be uh, to interpret that discomfort as an attack. It it takes basically nothing at all uh, for us to go, oh my gosh. Well, I've never, and that's not typical, and I've never, I I've never seen that happen or heard that or I've never experienced that. And it's like this instant defensiveness of like, well, no, that could never, I don't believe you. And what's wrong with you instead of maybe you just have a different experience than I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I want to be cognizant of your time. 
because it is getting late and uh i know it's the weekend uh coming up here but everybody likes to get some rest on the weekend so there's no reason to and i know you've been awake for a long time uh in the last week or so <laughs> Yes, I don't know what's going on. Like my sleep pattern has it was off when <laughs> COVID started, but it has really been off. It's like, been yes. Is it is it just like you just stopped sleeping? Pretty much. Yep. Like literally the other day I was literally up for 24 hours. I saw did not that. one iota. I saw that. And I was like, my body is like, hey, we really want to go to sleep. And my brain was like, nope, we want to stay up and party. Like, <laughs> nope, want to sleep, sis. Sorry, we're going to be up all night. <laughs> so dealing with that dynamic and COVID has been very, uh, very interesting. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, everybody here in my house is experiencing very strange sleeping patterns as well. And uh, yeah, so we, we take the weekends to do as much resting as humanly possible. Like, I don't care. You want to wear your PJs for two days? I don't care anymore. You can shower then <laughs> I, the night before school. I don't care. You do what you want. It's no, Nothing matters. <laughs> Just sleep and sit on the couch. I don't care. Because the rest yes. of the week, I mean, it's, rest is like not a thing. Even though... So many of us are home so much more than we used to be. It's like it's having the opposite effect of what I expected. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, in closing, because like I said, I do want to give everybody a chance. I, I want to give you a chance to rest. And I hope that you can sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, as we close, I feel like we have really hit on the moral obligation, how it can impact and change um, the lives of, you know, people all all across the nation. Um, and so I guess in closing, <laughs> what do you think is pos possible? What do you think is ethical moving forward to make change for education systems in the United States? Um, I definitely think that it is possible for us to create avenues where people have access to this thing. I, I really want to go back to that. Yes. I, I just understand how much it improves the quality of life financially, but more importantly, that it just makes you a more well-rounded person. Yeah. And I'm clear before we close out, when I say education, I don't necessarily mean a college degree. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, is the way colleges now are designed, if you just want to better yourself, you can just take classes. Yeah. Your certificate course. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I don't want people to walk away from this, like, oh, I have to go get a college degree. No, you don't. But because college is not for everybody. Mm. I think that some resources that colleges have should be available to everybody, though. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? And so um, I just, I honestly have hope for the future that we can create a system um, that if people want to get it, they can have access to it. I, I strongly believe that. Um, I am hopeful and hoping that our government can get it together yeah. um, and realize again, and I know I said it earlier, that when we invest in our citizens, it just, it enhances our country. It builds leaders it empowers people you know what i'm saying and so it 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 increases innovation it increases yeah. creativity it yeah. just it pushes the country forward mm -hmm. um and in the, in the most beautiful glorious way yeah um, and so i i strongly believe that that needs to change um and i strongly believe that we have got to do something about um student loans and yeah making sure that we're not killing um, killing a future really before it even begins mm -hmm. because they're in so much debt mm -hmm. um, and making college affordable. So like I said, I have students that work three and four jobs. Yeah. How in the hell are you still even up? And you're carrying <laughs> 15 credit hours too. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I believe that if we could change the 
access, if we can change the structure of education and even change um, how we go about educating as far as making sure that we lend space to so many different people. Yeah. I feel like that's the moral way to move forward. That is the ethical way to move forward. And I just know that how many lives that would really change. Like yeah. education is good right now, but man, if we could knock those three things out the park. Oh my goodness. We love saying we're number one when we really kind of aren't, but if <laughs> those things we would be possibly yeah. you know if we, if we did that we might be yes we, yeah yeah we might be yeah thank you so so much for your time I have so enjoyed talking with you it was a pleasure thank you so much of course my the pleasure was all mine <laughs> I'm so glad um now where can people find you find your work find your podcast anything to to benefit from your knowledge and just to be able to follow you more? Oh, sure. So um, you can go to my website, I am Mary L T, that's M A R I E L L E T.com. Um, you can learn more information about me, um, episodes of the podcast with the facts. So you can either listen to it on my website, you can watch it on my website. Um, you know, you can listen on all of your favorite podcast um, platforms, is there. Um, and then you can follow me on social media. Um, my two favorites are Twitter and Instagram. Um, and so my handle is I am Mary LT. Um, and so I always love interacting, especially Twitter is probably my favorite because I just like, yes, <laughs> like review <laughs> out stuff and interact with people in that way. Yes. Um, so I, I always love the dialogue. So I look forward to connecting. Yes. Wonderful. I will make sure to link all of that information in the liner notes. And uh, yeah, thank you again so, so much. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Check back next week for another conversation about education. You've been listening to 99 Lead Balloons, honest talk about shit society ignores. Special thanks to my guest, Marielle T., for joining me. For more of Marielle's work, you can follow her on Twitter at Marielle T. Links to Marielle's social media and other platforms are also available in the liner notes. Graphic and web design by Chris Campbell Creative. Go to chriscampbell.com for more. Theme song by Luciano Music Company. Licensed by Premium Beat by Shutterstock. Produced and edited by Stoke the Wild Studios. To stay up to date on episodes and content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 99pod or go to 99pod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.